Hello, Hive Nation. Welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast, connecting you to experts in leadership, mentorship, and personal professional development. Each week, we have a coach from the Hive Nation share their journey to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce today's guest. Hey, thanks, Greg. So today, we have Adam Thompson on the podcast. Uh, in short, Adam has a great bio, but in short, he's a Tony Hawk wannabe. <laughs> he, uh, his aspirations are to play lead guitar for Metallica, Kirk Hammett, who... And uh, then his next one is actually just to take over the insurance world and just be like the top dog of everybody. So, uh, in short, that's it. Have a nice day, everybody. We'll call our quits from there. Okay. There you go. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, so, so quick. No, I'm just joking with Adam, but you're, you have a great bio. Um, Adam really fits into the Hive Nation and what we're trying to do here within... Um, the, the, the podcast today is around the passion that you have in your profession. And Adam brings passion on the, his personal side into the business, his professional side into the business. Uh, everything kind of uh, rotates around that world of passion with Adam. And it, it just, it's really refreshing to have that conversation. So in, 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 a, in a wrap up here in, in his, with his bio, so Adam's been in the um, commercial insurance business for 15 years. Uh, you started as an underwriter about 15 years ago, was that? Yeah, 2008. Yeah, okay, so yeah. 15, yeah. And then um, you you uh, took on the uh, the next level after underwriting to wanting to be into more of like the 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 commercial and the uh, you know the the next level of the insurance is that? Yeah, it's a, a more of a broker, more of a client facing, and, and be responsible for the transaction versus the underwriting and the, the finance and the math behind it. I guess. Right? So you know the, the 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 brains of the operation is I, I call more of the Adam on the brains of the operation. Everybody needs to work as a team within it, but yeah. you know Adam has the vision as to what people need for insurance and how to move insurance forward. Uh, if that's fair to say. Yeah, no, for sure. It's about being a facilitator and then understanding people's risks to understand, is it better to transfer that risk to a contract? Should we self-insure it? Is there other uh, mitigation or other methods that we can use to reduce? Yeah, that's great because not everybody needs the same insurance. No, no, it's, it can't always be the same. And if it ever is, then um, it's probably not set up the right way if it is. Yeah, so. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Finally, somebody tells the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Off, off camera, we actually chatted about um, how Adam's, you know, side professions have turned into a passion of his within his current passion of commercial insurance. So let's start there. Let's start. Yeah. Let's start. You know, I, ta I talked about uh, Tony Hawk wannabe and, you know, people will be like, what the hell are you talking about? Why don't you tell us about, you know, let's start there. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's, a, that's a good place to start. Yeah. I grew up in, in Medicine Hat, Alberta, and my, my father was an insurance broker. And my grandfather was an insurance broker, so I came by that profession, honestly. But I was a punk kid in Medicine Hat and in punk bands and a whole bunch of other stuff and got into skateboarding at an early age. My dad wanted me to be on the golf course. No, I was at the skateboard park uh, meeting probably some people that I shouldn't have uh, been meeting. But regardless <laughs> of the people that I met, um, I fell in love with skateboarding at an early age and it kind of taught me, I think, when I look back now, um, it gave me some different things and I think it's resilience and being able to really pursue something and chase it and chase something that is very difficult to do because if you jump on a skateboard there's a high probability you're going to hurt yourself For sure. in the first three days of being on that board. Once you kind of get past 
those first couple of days and those first couple of weeks actually riding it, you can actually really look at that skill and fine tune it to say, I'm going to go and pursue that. I want to do that trick. Usually it's a trick. And you go and you practice and you practice and you practice and you're going to go and start doing it. You're going to start making attempts. And the one thing that is definitely going to happen is you're going to fall mm. and you're going to, you know, have some adversity as you try to go through this. But the biggest thing that it taught me and what I like to teach with skateboarding is that persistence. It's getting back up. And that's probably the most important part with it. Because if you don't do that, you're never going to progress. You're going to let that fear kind of take hold or, or uh, impede your, your ability to want to pursue that. So about handling your own fear and, and about you know, handling it the right way to be able to make sure that you can progress, do that trick, land it. And it's not to say that there's a crowd of people cheering you on. You know, it's very much internalized, so it's very individualistic and it's very creative uh, as well too. So I think that's what kind of got me into it. And then, you know, later on in life, it kind of came back into my world. I didn't skateboard for probably a solid almost uh, seven or eight years because I was a professional now. I wanted to live this this life and this identity that people kind of thrust upon you to say you're a professional. So get, put down your board, pick up your briefcase. And you know, I was in Calgary and, and this and that, I was trying to you know go to school and, and that's where when I met my wife. And so I was just living this life. And then I kind of woke up where I was like, well, life's too short to walk away from something that you used to enjoy or just because someone's impression is like, you know, a 30 year old professional these days that. shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And again, I think that's about the conviction that you have to have for the things that you enjoy and the reasons why you enjoy it. And, you know, so if you take that one step further, I'm sure yeah. Tony Hawk heard, heard the exact same thing. He made an absolute rock star profession out yeah. of skateboarding. Right? Yeah. Like he's got a, he's got his own video game. Like yeah. Who can say that? Like there's a handful of people in the world that can say they have their own video game. It's a, I think that's a testament to like the success that he's had and just that name, right? So everyone knows that name. But think of how many other hundreds of professional skateboarders are out there slugging still to this day. There's so many that are out there trying to make a name for themselves and they don't have the luxury of having that video game and having you know, the wealth and the success, you know, um, I, when I do look at Tony Hawk, of course, I think any skateboarder, he's like somewhat of a hero. Um, and again, you look at when he started and how long he's been doing it for and really how long does it take to build that name, that that brand brand. and how many falls and broken bones he's had to kind of go through to kind of made it to today. And how many other people can try to do that alongside of them? And we're not talking about them today at this no, podcast. No, for sure not. So, no, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, Very so, cool. Yeah. And then, so you took that passion and you made it into, you know, your next passion, which is, you know, commercial insurance. Yeah. And or, you know, you talked about being in a band though as well, right? Why don't you tell us how that passion has now transferred onto your professional passion as well? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's just at the end of the day, music. So it could be playing guitar or, you know, playing drums or whatever it is. My outlet and what I discovered in my profession was that it was just hard to get together with the guys. Like, the, it was harder as we were living these professional lives to really be able to get together once a week. So kind of once that kind of fizzled out, unfortunately, I really looked into music still as that, that passion, that outlet. 
And so it just was natural that DJing was kind of like the next thing because I can still get into that music and still go uh, uh, through that and still be able to deliver an experience, like still be able to go and entertain people. I get a lot of energy out of that. Mm -hmm. So I think other people do as well. And I think music is one of those things that really connects a lot of different people from different backgrounds, different walks of life. And I think that's business in a nutshell, to a certain degree. We're all yeah. just trying to come together to find something, uh, some common ground that we all appreciate, we all mm -hmm. respect, right? So if music, if music is one of those things for people, then you know, just because you're bringing commercial insurance to people doesn't mean it has to stop there, or doesn't mean you can't be involved in other things yep. that are somewhat connected, sometimes loosely connected, but yep. still connected to the strategy and what we're trying to do, right? So let's bring those two together then. Let's bring your, your passion for skateboarding, your passion for music, yeah. whether it be playing or entertaining, you know, either way, it's, they're both kind of related. Now let's bring that into your professional yeah. um, setting. <clears throat> I think with, with skateboarding, um, it's it can be very challenging to insure. And because it is so specialty, um, if you've got a private skateboard park here and you're looking for the, some liability because the landlord's requiring you to carry that liability piece. When you're going to the traditional insurance market and you're dealing with, again, traditional underwriters, I don't blame them why they wouldn't feel comfortable insuring that type of risk. Um, when I first started looking to insure skateboarding as part of, like, part of my role in, in, in being a broker, I had to go out there and search the market because of what I was actually looking for wasn't necessarily all the skateboard parks and prospecting everyone internally within that industry. It was actually canvassing the market in Toronto and London, England to find out where can we place this <coughs> risk. Oh, yeah. Can I find an underwriter that used the skateboard that really understands it? And I was lucky enough, you know, years ago I did, I found that underwriter and we would look at skateboard park designs together and to say, this is, okay, this feature here, there's maybe too much risk here, we should move it like this. You know, it's not a perfect world, like things are gonna happen and people can be injured. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it takes a creative approach to be able to craft something together and build it and find someone that really understands it, really gets it, and then be able to convey that to somebody. You know, and then the business takes hold. And it is still a business at the end of the day, and it does need to be profitable to a certain degree and you need to make sure your expenses are being covered because what are we in this for? It, yeah, it's great, it's passion, it's skateboarding, it's community, it's kids, it's all these things, but it's about sustainability at the end of the day. And if the risk is too great, then the business will not be able to sustain. Yeah. And so it wouldn't matter if it's a skateboard park or, or um, uh, let's say it's a gymnastics club or any other type of, of sport, you want to make sure that it continues. And yeah. that's the biggest issue that I see in insurance is when the insurance market changes and it does impact a nonprofit group like that. It does impact that that cheerleading club or that hockey crew or anything else like that. As fees go up, insurance and risk is always a big part of it. So if I could ever bring that into the world of, of skateboarding uh, and making it easier, making it more acceptable, I think, in this world. Like, if I could be part of that, then that's a story that I want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. So, um, I think there's different ways of looking at it, but I think it's a great question. So, a few months ago, something you said to me yeah. uh, when we were out for lunch one day was, you know, everybody can paint a picture. Yeah. But Jason might not like what you paint, yeah. and he might like what I paint. Yeah. So, 
with that being said, has the perspective you gained from your passions and skateboarding and music helped you paint a more unique picture when you're talking to your clients about not just, you know, oh, here's this insurance policy, you've seen a bunch of these before, but here's how it's actually going to add value to your life and, yeah. and let them enjoy their passions more? That's a great question. I think it's a lot about perspective. And so we could look at things in a certain way in business or in life or whatever it might be. And our perspective is going to be a certain way, right? So I was talking about, you know, that, that blank canvas. And anytime you're meeting with a client, uh, it can be like that. And that's kind of how you should be envisioning it. Because yes, there's systems, there's procedures, there's everything that we need to do in our sales kind of role and in our life. But adding some dynamics into that is really important because we're dynamic creatures. And I believe that if anything is too linear, it's too canned, it's not real, it's not genuine. So you lose that humanity piece in it. I think when we're dealing with anybody, uh, whether it's a client, it's a vendor, it's a colleague, then the dynamics that we bring into that relationship really, really do matter. Being more in tune about your own perceptions and your own biases going into a call or a meeting or whatever it is can really help change and kind of form that, that meeting into maybe a different direction than you thought it was going to go in. Because again, you're in more in tune to now their perception on the other side uh, and seeing where that needs to be at the end. Um, that's part of the journey. And I think if you really enjoy that part of it and conversing with people and really understanding, getting true with one another, if you're really enjoying that and you're good at it, then I think the successful sales career is that much easier as well too, because you're really enjoying these. these we talk about that, uh, you know, enjoying the journey all the time, like you know, yeah. have, put yourself in your shoes, yeah. you know, and, and you know, where 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 do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Yeah. Or how do you want to get there? Right, and you know, then leave that to us to you know paint you that picture. Yeah, just like Greg said, right? Yeah, no, and I think it, it's all about that, and I think um, people kind of can come in and out of your world to a certain degree, um, but if you're really making an impact, and I think that was kind of the shift that I had a couple years ago, was I really, it's not to say I stop trying to sell commercial insurance policies. That's the function that I do. That's how I provide for my family. That's how I build my career. But I kind of shifted that mindset a little bit to impact, trying to make a meaningful, sustainable impact in people's lives and their businesses. That is more sustainable. That's something that is more meaningful. And I think that provides a little bit more substance in doing what we're trying to do. So did I make an impact today? Again, it could be a client, it could be a colleague, maybe it's an underwriter of mine, whatever it might be. If we're providing that and it's a consistent approach every single day that we're making these impacts, then people are going to really feel that. And over time, that longer term strategy, I really believe that it will pay off. And when we're talking about legacy and everything else like that, that's the legacy that we're trying to build and that, that, that painting that we're ultimately trying to paint. It's our own. Yeah. It's a, it's a what our own story is, mm -hmm. and why mine might be a little bit different than Greg's or like yourselves. Like it could be always different, and I think when there is that type of dynamics again, it makes it so much more palatable. It makes it so much more unique. Before we started to you know we talked about a, a bit about um, you know never burning a bridge and always leaving those doors open, and yeah. so just because it's uh, you know 
I'll, I'll maybe go this route. Just because it's a no today doesn't mean that it's a no for tomorrow. No. But there's always that, you know, like one year, three year, five year, 10 year journey that, you know, we could all, you know, embark on and, and see ourselves in that. Where do you use that in your uh, mm. industry and how do you, you know, determine as to how fast or how slow to, to speed that process up? Yeah, I know. That's a good question. So I think that starts at the start of the process it really does is about getting to know each other you know we talk about trust we talk about you know having something real there especially in that first meeting it has to be meaningful there has to be something there so i think asking real questions is is critical um so we'll get into it as well too and what i've been doing more recently as well is really asking that question pay me a picture Let's envision we're sitting here and it's three years time and you're extremely happy. You're extremely happy with everything going on in the business, in your personal life, you know, everything is going good. And can you paint me that picture of what that looks like? Because people have intentions on what they want their future to be. And again, having them paint that picture in that first meeting, telling us, creating that vision, really understands it. Like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about commercial insurance. Well, how does that come into it? And I might get that question that comes up, like what does that have to do with this? Well, in the commercial insurance world, even when you're building that portfolio, knowing where that business owner wants to be in that three, five year kind of time frame, really paints a, a picture of a, for us as to what we need to do on the policy structure. So how we need to set this up, is the company winding down? Are they blowing up? Are they growing? Are we looking at just status quo? All of which is fine. Again, having that honesty and that communication mm -hmm. really forms that because it's about creating that relationship. And what's the outcome in that first meeting? It's an emotion. That's ultimately what you're trying to induce out of that other person. It's this emotion of trust and faith. Okay, we're gonna go off and do our, what we need to do and they're gonna pull through for me and they're, they're gonna help me. Now, ultimately, it's gonna be value there. So if you look at it as a straight transaction, here's the contract, you pay me the money, for that is not anything that's really that much substance, I would say. So not to say it's bad, it's still a function that happens every day in the industry. But again, is that the right thing for the business ultimately at the end of the day? Is that the right thing for the owner? Might be the best thing for me as a salesperson. Like I just made that commission. Sure. That's awesome. But again, having that, that mindset for myself even five, ten years down the road, how does this deal play into now my plan as well? So I think it's always that other side of the conversation. We're not looking at ourselves to say, what are we doing? How does this play into what I'm doing? I think we have to use that little audio clip right there for the hive. Yeah. And literally that is exactly what we're trying to do is that we're trying to build those relationships within those hives for everybody to feel at yeah. peace with one another. Yeah. And you know, it's not necessarily a competition, but at the same time, it's about being part of that community. We talk yeah. about being part of that community. Yeah. And that's exactly what you just described right there was that if one person succeeds, everybody succeeds. It is very much like that. And it's like the people that come into your world, again, you care about them. You want them, if you truly do care, you want them to all do well so that you know, in sales, I think we're all competitive somewhat by nature, you know, just a wee bit. 
but I think it, you can almost elevate that to say like you can create a network in that group to say we can be now competitive together mm-hmm. and building that kind of mastermind network that I think we all kind of need in our mm-hmm. lives and our professions and just in our, our personal lives as well too. Now we've got a group and that, that hive mentality, like you're going to be able to take on bigger challenges, mm-hmm. harder problems, you know, that's going to ultimately hopefully lead to a more successful, fulfilling career. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to build all these relationships alongside of it and all the fun times and parties and drinks and yeah. lunches. And I think the other side of that is also being there for people when they're down mm-hmm. and they need it. Like, again, we're emotional creatures. So having that network can not only help you when you're succeeding, but more importantly, I think help you when you're failing as well. Totally agreed. Right. Love so, it. Yeah. And that's the whole thing, like within a, a real beehive, if you think about it, they have all these workers that work side by side. Yeah. Like just like you said, right? Yeah. And if they didn't work side by side, guess what? A queen's going to die. Exactly. The queen's going to die, die, period. It's going right? to It's yeah. not going to be good, right? So everybody works side by side. You Now you're building and building and building. And now you have this real successful hive. Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly, you know, where that's why we kind of came up with that. The hive type of idea was that if you have that, you know, yeah. hive mentality. If everybody could have that hive mentality and work side by side, you know, we'd all be way better, way farther ahead. But because we are competitive, yeah, because people want to <laughs> stab you in the back at times, yeah, you know, you nobody really gets ahead at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's this, that trust thing, right? So how do you like form that that trust and be able to actually maybe you don't work necessarily in my field or my industry but how do we collaborate how do we do that and i think it's that feeling vulnerable it's that humanity level that sometimes we're like afraid to put out because of our flaws or because of this or that or this person's going to steal my ideas and then go around and do this other deal um i just feel like that that trust needs to be given until it's no longer Deserve. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I say it a lot now after after being through this journey is that an idea is just an idea. Yeah. If somebody takes that idea, there's not much you can do about that. No. Yeah. So all you do is you make your idea that much better. Yeah. Right? I so, so take your idea and make it the best it can possibly be. Yeah. yeah. If somebody wants to copy you, the, the best form of flattery is imitation, right? That's when so, you know you're on. That's what, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it, right? When, when we had uh, Larry Clay on the podcast, he said that. You know, Larry's a, in the construction industry in Vancouver. Yeah. And he makes these great videos talking about the process and why they build their homes the way they do. Yeah. And he said, one of his friends said, Matt, you're giving away your secret sauce. He said, so be it. He goes, if somebody can learn from me and they can do it better... Perfect, because if I if my secret sauce elevates the whole industry, then that's successful. Yeah. He goes, I'll still have my clients because of the relationships, the emotions we've yeah. made. And that's the biggest thing. And in sales, much to your point on the competitiveness, it's so frustrating to me. Like people won't converse, they won't connect because well, you're a competitor. Well, sure, but there's so many ways that you can learn from each other. And if you just let that shade down a little bit the amount of growth for the industry as a whole for you individually for your company for your team for everybody around you is so substantial if like people just like put that ego aside and just went here's what i'm doing and here's why i'm doing it yeah yeah Yeah. no i think there's a there's a whole bunch of things that we could say on that as well too but um I think it, again, people coming together in that collective effort and power that we can put towards something 
is just it's so much more power, powerful I think than an individualistic um, approach to it you know it's kind of opposite I guess of that skateboarding analogy yeah. like yeah we have to pick ourselves up yeah we have to endure we have to go through all these things but I think that's the opposite side of skateboarding as well too it's it's also a collective it's also a community it's also these things that they're trying to like push it and I think that's a good kind of analogy like it's more positive in communities now than it ever was before mm-hmm. and you know 20 years ago it was not deemed as a good thing having these kids together right now it's really really positive because again they're together and they're doing something more constructive mm-hmm. and they're pushing towards a common good or, or a goal like that's a good thing to be a part of at the end yeah. of the day regardless of, of results or anything else like that so anyways I think that's a it's a good topic yeah what else we got well, um, the one the one thing we talked about off camera too with you know I mean I'm a big advocate of it I think a lot of all of us in this room are uh, you know chase your passion you know I have so many friends like man I don't know what to do well what do you love to do what's your passion but yeah sometimes your passion just isn't lucrative yeah so like how do you draw or how how would you say to draw the line of like hmm I love this thing but it's mm-hmm. never gonna pay the bills and it's not sustainable yeah like, where's that line it can be a hard call sometimes right um, reality sinks in and it sets in and the responsibilities that we have um, are important. And I'm talking about everything that we've worked so hard to go and build. So, you know, I worked very hard to build a career. Uh, you know, I feel like I've obtained that to a certain degree and I still have lots more to do, but you know, I go out there and, and I wanted a busy house. I wanted a wife and kids and all these things. And I think it's common that we say, you know, that's busy. Adam's busy. Victoria's busy. We had a busy life. And I quit saying that years ago. It's full. I got everything out there that I wanted, most of which I went out there to go and pursue, I was able to obtain. So now that I have it all and I'm living this, you know, busy life in my 30s and the pressure and the kids and the grandparents and all this other stuff, like, no, it's just full. It's a life of fulfillment that I'm trying to live. Um, On the the economics aspect, I think of passions are an important one. So again, you have these things, these responsibilities, and then you got, again, these things out there, these passions that are giving you energy yeah. towards certain things. Be cognizant of the energy that you receive from those actions that you put in. So maybe I coach um, of a football team. Maybe I'm you know, volunteering for a nonprofit. Why do we do those things? It's not for a paycheck, no. it's for energy. So I believe it, it fills our tank that much fuller so we have more energy to put to other things that maybe we don't get as much energy from um so everyone calls it like a work-life balance and i think that's kind of a misnomer and i the reason for that is it's more for me at least an energy cycle Mm -hmm. so i go into the job and i try to do the best thing that i can and get as much passion energy out of it and I take that every evening and I like to give that back to the wife and kids or definitely try to. And they in turn give me that energy back that I need to go into the office the next day mm-hmm. and do it again and do it again. When we're looking at the economics of it, so you can say that following your passion might not be the most lucrative endeavor you might not ever do in your life. That, that's a fair statement, I think, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Unless we're really, really lucky and we found the passion and it's you know, it's given everything that we want. Um, 
I think being real with yourself and your time, like how much time do you really have to commit to this? Have you overcommitted? Will you be able to execute your, your job or your career if you're doing these other things? Is it an anchor maybe bringing your professional life down? Like it's all good, it's all fine, mm-hmm. but is it kind of moving in that the right direction? So I think to answer that question, I think it's all amongst ourselves in mm-hmm. terms of determining that. But there is probably uh, a certain percentage to say that, you know, 10% of your time can be put towards the passion if it's not driving an economic benefit back. If we get into it, if it's all about the money at the end of the day. If maybe we could line up some economics so we're getting some return back from these passions, maybe I'd be able to increase that. Maybe I'd get that up to 15, 20% if, again, I'm I'm getting something back on that. Um, Mind space is important too. So as we've got only so much capacity in our minds, how much can we devote to these other deals? Or maybe I've got a side hustle going on here and everything else. Knowing that ultimately we might have our, our own business or our profession or a job, we do need to make sure that our mindset is focused on that uh, fully. And But we're out there looking for these other passions. We're out there, you're really searching for it and you're looking for connections. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you're looking to say, how can this tie into this and how can I tie into that? Mm-hmm. So I wish it was easier and there was like a, a yeah. chart or a graph that we could just look at and say, this is how you follow yeah, your yeah, passions yeah. and this is how you do it. Everyone's going to be different because everyone receives energy from different things in different yeah. ways. I like that you said that because the parent company to the Hive is Buzzy Sales Consulting. Yeah. And we, it's called Buzzy because it's a play on word of busy. Yeah. Because are you busy or productive? Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy when you said that you stopped saying busy because you could be busy doing twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. If that's, that's what busy. you want to consider busy, that's busy, that's busy right? Yeah. yeah. But it's you're either busy or productive, or as you've said, full, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I love that. Second thing is, is I have an executive coach once tell me that it's not work-life balance. It's work, work-life integration. Yeah. And I really liked when he said it like that yeah. because that, you know, the light bulb went off for me and then it's like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah. You integrate your personal life into your productive, you know, your, exactly. your, your busy life, right? Your, your work-life integration. It's about connecting it. I always say too, to, we all have like a, a new hire, someone's trying to get into uh, commercial insurance sales or whatever. And they're asking me what, what it's like it's a lifestyle and so if you enjoy this lifestyle if you've got the energy that you can put out and do well then it is just that um but it is demanding at times and it is a whole bunch of other things so if you're looking for this if you're looking for uh, a straightforward nine to five kind of work day maybe that type of career maybe might not be the best fulfilling for you right because it can take hold and it can take a lot of sacrifices i say that every day too is like we've got sacrifices we can make yeah either we sacrifice uh our profession sometimes hey my buddy's in town they want to go do a golf game okay i can deke out of work early today and go golfing well that's a sacrifice that you've made yeah i'm going to stay late at the office here and and crush it till 7 p.m so i can get that proposal up okay well i just sacrificed my work time for my family time that's right so you know we're always doing that in the course of our days is, is sacrifice so again knowing where that balance needs to be and that was some great advice i got early on in my career was like you've got these like 
these different buckets, right? You've got your profession, you got your family, you got your friends, you got your own personal time. And all of these you're trying to keep in a, in a healthy balance. As soon as one of them gets out of whack, they will all get out of whack and you'll be just trying to rejig your life mm -hmm. back to normalcy to a mm -hmm. certain degree. So being mindful of that and seeing and being more self-aware, I think, when something's kind of getting out of whack on that and then refocusing and saying, okay, this is what I need to do. Go back to the map, go back to the, your strategy, go back to your plan. And sometimes you need to do that and recalibrate, especially summer, especially golf. You know, it would be nice to have that roadmap, like just to, you just go off the shelf and buy this roadmap. Yeah. This road, if you follow this roadmap, here's your success. Yeah. Put the pin on the map, right? Mm -hmm. It never, ever happens like that, right? Nope. I mean, no matter how hard you try, it would I'm never happen like that. Still There's, waiting for that book to come out. <laughs> right? It has not come it out yet, not come and out. I'm waiting for this book to be now. like, this is it. You just read this yeah. book. And oh, this right. Well, I gotta go. I gotta go write this book today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We can do it together. That's just the thing, you know. I had a conversation about this the other day with my friend, and he went, "Man, your 24 hours is not 24 hours." I said, "Well, that's unfair to say." Much to your point, Adam. You know, everybody has their own journey, their own path. Where it's like, okay, like if you're truly passionate about things, you'll find time for it. Yeah. You'll find time for what you want. Yeah. And you'll sacrifice things for that as well. Yeah. And the thing that I hate in sales, coaching, and any mindset podcast, all of these guys, very few talk about sacrifice. They only talk about, oh yeah, you, you sacrifice all this bad stuff in your life. And yeah. You're gonna, no, what about the good stuff? Like you just said, yeah. you're gonna have to sacrifice family time, money, your own time. You know, you won't be able to golf every day, but you know, if we look at the long game, or, and even the short game too, It'll pay off if it's fulfilling to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there has to be that integration where, you know, we have a, my group of friends, we can go out for drinks and we can talk about hardcore business stuff, like deep, deep, deep into it. And yeah. two seconds later, somebody's cracking a joke about some meme we saw. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. And that's the integration side of it. And I think sure. a lot of people miss out on that. And if I were to give one tip around that, start journaling. Yeah. Write stuff down. Write it down. Get your notes on your phone. And it will help you find the time for that. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It, yeah. it paints that vision, right? So you're trying to visualize what the future could be with yeah. these plans, with the strategies and all this stuff. Another thing I've really picked up on, I guess, more recently was you can plan and you can strategize. You can have the best plans, you have the best strategies, you can build the roadmap. Sure. It's all just kind of meaningless unless it, the execution and that's where we all fall down I find yeah. that's the number one thing is you know it's the cliche talk is cheap action speak whatever it is but that first action or set of energy that you're actually putting forth towards that plan that's the hardest part yep. that is where most people fall and that's yep. where I've definitely fell victim as well too and uh, great ideas great thoughts everything else like this but if that execution is ever lacking you're gonna feel that. And you don't feel that right away. It it's kinda sits and it kinda waits a little bit somewhat to when, you know, that deal could be pending or something could big be happening and it's quiet. Mm -hmm. And nothing's happening because of the lack of inaction mm -hmm. that you took or mm -hmm. that lack of action that you took those three months, six months in the past. Right. Like everything is multiplied into the future. So I always look at that like one ounce of energy now is three ounces of energy in the future. So your time and your effort is also, you know, inflated. 
uh, as we look into the future as well. So how many times have we said, and the people listening to this have ever said, what a great idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then nothing no. comes up. Yeah, right. there's, there's a lot of them. There's, there's a lot, lot of there's them, so right? many. And I think that's where, you know, in business, that's the execution. Part exactly. When right. things start happening, when action starts being taken, when meetings start forming, when creation really starts formulating, especially for any startup or, or small business, those things really, really matter. And yeah. they matter into the long run as well, too, especially with that plan, that vision. If we're just like, oh, I'm going to set this thing up and we're just going to see how it goes and this and that, like, yeah, it's fleeting and it's probably as fleeting as that mm -hmm. idea was, right? Exactly. So or at least as fleeting as that execution was. Execution, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this is fantastic, Adam. Why, why don't you tell High Nation where they can find you? Yeah, um, I'm in Saskatoon here. Um, but no, if anyone is looking for commercial insurance, I'm with uh, Henderson Insurance out of Moose Jaw and Regina. I work here at the uh, Hoffman Cool office here in Saskatoon. People can look me up on LinkedIn or just Google my name. And uh, yeah, thanks so much to Hive Nation for having me on. I hope there was value out of it. That was fantastic. And, uh, and yeah, I just hope to just continue communications with you guys and seeing where I could Absolutely. help and assist the Hive Nation. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. We'll obviously have a link to Adam's yeah. contacts and Yeah, and uh, Hive Nation, you, Adam, will be, Adam will be in the Hive Nation here, so don't, uh, don't be uh, shy. He, he's around and he's always looking to connect. So Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Adam, thanks for coming. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Hive Nation, we're out.